And, of course, this is Memorial Day weekend. We welcome all of our visitors from out of town. And, of course, we've sent quite a few visitors from here out of town. And, uh, praise the Lord, it looks like it's equaled out pretty well. And uh, we're glad that you are here today. And uh, I, I would like for us to just... Think about some things today as this is Memorial Day weekend. Um, we try to define uh, the word hero in so many different ways. And uh, some of them are, are quite troubling to me. Uh, a hero, a true hero in every sense of the word, is not someone that's a victim of circumstances that just happen to be in the right place at the right time. That's not what a hero really is, my friend. A hero is someone who does something on purpose, amen? Someone who has uh, <clears throat> uh, not necessarily chosen the place where they're going to be. And, of course, no one wants someone who is trying to be a hero, amen? Uh, those that seek fame and glory. And, of course, if you study... American history at all. We've had quite a uh, series of presidents who have been uh, so concerned with their own legacy that they didn't have time to be president of the United States. And and uh, I just can't imagine all of the foolishness that has gone on. And, and yet what comes to mind is a just a kind of place to start into this discussion this morning. As uh, many of you may have heard the story of Amanda Eller. She went on a three-mile hike in Hawaii, ended up in a 17-day ordeal for survival. And I was just checking the headlines here, and, and it was an amazing quote. And this is what she said after she had been rescued. She said, it came down to life and death, and I had to choose. I chose life. She tells people, not that we care what People magazine thinks about anything, but uh, back to our quote here. I wasn't going to take the easy way out, even though that meant more suffering for me, for myself. Now, we admire that. Amen. Uh, as believers in the Bible, we must choose life because the God of the Bible is the source of all life. And yet, I think in great contrast to that, in Memorial Day weekend here, uh, we celebrate many people who have not chosen life. Many who have actually chosen death. Who have chosen to face death, to grapple face to face and hand to hand, that others might live. If you read the story of the Medal of Honor, uh, and I would encourage you as an American, if you care about this country at all, that you ought to read the histories uh, of those men that have been awarded the highest uh, military decoration, the Congressional Medal of Honor. Many, many of those, especially uh, since the War on Terror, most of the recipients of that reward were men who gave their lives so that others may live. Uh, I cannot uh, call the names exactly, but I remember one man was in a uh, 
personnel carrier, and the grenade literally landed in his lap. He had the opportunity and the time to slip out of his seat, allowing the grenade to fall into the troop carrier, and he would have survived. Instead, he chose to go into a huddle position and absorb the entire blast of the grenade, and none of his comrades died. I'll tell you, that, that's what I call a hero. And I am not ashamed to be an American yet. Uh, we have some people in Washington, D.C. They're working very hard on it uh, and, and trying desperately to make America something that you should be ashamed of. Uh, some of you remember our former president's apology tour where he went all, Obama went all over the world apologizing for the United States. And uh, I don't appreciate that. We, we have some things to apologize for. No nation is perfect. But there are cemeteries on every continent of this world that, how, that hold the remains of American servicemen who were not there to conquer but there to repel tyranny so that they could be free. No other nation in the history of the world has that kind of legacy. And we should rejoice in that today. It was Jesus that said, Greater love hath no man than this, and a man lay down his life for his friends. You know, that verse is actually engraved on a uh, monument right here in Astoria, Astoria Park there, to the World War I veterans. And I, I'll tell you, you can say what you will, but you cannot be an American. You cannot speak the English language. You cannot study the history of this country without studying this book right here, this old King James Bible. And we love it, and we revere it, and we want to worship the Lord today. But I'll tell you, there's a greater love than than that for country and for freedom. And just a few weeks ago, we were up at Lexington and Concord with our little bike ride, and we got uh, nice and wet, as usual. Uh, uh, but at least it wasn't 105 degrees like it was the previous year. Amen? And, and we looked and walked the very ground that those Minutemen, not soldiers, uh, most of them had trained with broomsticks. Uh, It was not uh, anything to get excited. I mean, there was a whole lot more truth in Yankee Doodle than most of us Americans ever wished there were. Uh, But it became a theme song because we were not the greatest trained army in the world. But we beat the greatest trained army in the world. That wasn't because of us, though. I, I love that second verse. It's actually second in our hymnal. I don't know what number it is, but it talks about the heaven-rescued land. That we could praise the power that hath made us and preserved us a nation. It was Jesus that said, well, Paul was speaking of Christ. He said, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, 
Yet preadventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And again, I want to challenge you that only God could love this way. We, we do not praise those on the battlefield who die for the enemy. It doesn't work that way. Only God has the power to give His life for those that oppose Him. And that's why we worship the God of the Bible. Amen? And we want to live for Jesus Christ. If you want to know a common thread that connects every one of these stories that we could tell, and, and I could spend all of our time here this morning just telling stories of great American heroism. I mean... Many countries have museums and testimonies, but I'm not sure if any, I haven't really examined, but I don't know of any other country that has entire museum after museum after museum dedicated to the life of men and women who died. We can't put it all in the same place. How many of you have ever been to the Museum of American History in Washington, D.C. and saw the flag that actually waved over Fort McKinley? Tell you, you need to do that. It, it, will, uh, it will move you. Uh, but don't go there without stopping just an hour and a half up the road at Fort McHenry and actually get the real story. It's a wonderful, wonderful time. But if you're going to go to Washington, D.C., you could go just another hour and a half down the road to Norfolk, Virginia, two hours down the road. And you have the General Douglas MacArthur Museum. And uh, you can go to all over this country. What, What a heritage we have. And we want to throw it away for... Global warming, equality, social justice. There is no such thing as social justice, nor could there ever be. And please don't use the word fair around me. uh, Because nothing ever has been, ever will be, ever could be fair. Uh, That's not what we want. What we want is freedom. Amen? But... If you want to take all of those stories and tie them together, you're going to understand one thing. Every one of those servicemen, every one of those exemplary lives that we could celebrate believed in something bigger than themselves. And it wasn't just a higher power. Many of them never got beyond the ideal of freedom and liberty to understand that, even as the framers of the the Declaration said, that those rights come from God. They don't come from man. They don't come from anyone other than the Lord. And today what I'd like you to understand and what I'd like for us to look at is 
that it is this belief and this understanding in something that is bigger than myself, in the God of this book called the Bible, who gives us these rights and these freedoms and these privileges. Because for every life that belongs in the museum, I want to challenge you, there's a hundred lives that are just as exemplary that nobody would ever know about. And the heroes would never be heroes if there weren't all of the rest of those people doing the right thing so they would could be a hero. Now, I have no uh, aspirations uh, of being one of those heroes, but I sure would like to be one of those unknown people that allow those people to be heroes. Do you understand what I'm saying there? You see, none of those people that we would call great men sat down, looked in the mirror and said, someday I'm going to be great. Not a one of them. I'm Douglas MacArthur. People accuse him of that all the time, but that was not his mind and his heart. Read his book. But I will tell you this. He couldn't have been the great general that he was if it weren't for the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of men that followed his orders. And we serve Christ. You know what? When we get to the museum in heaven... When we get to heaven and really understand what was going on there, when we see the exemplary lives listed, could I challenge you, there's only going to be one. It's going to be Jesus Christ. Somebody wrote a song, and if you like this song, uh, be my guest, but I, I hate it. It's called, Thank You for Giving to the Lord. Because it gives praise to the person who gave, not to the one who gave us life. I want my attention, your attention, our church's attention to be on one person and one person alone. That, that's what makes us different. People say, do you have saints in the Baptist church? And I always like to answer, yes, we do. In fact... Every member of our church is a saint. Because you've got to get saved first. Amen? And that is the definition, the biblical definition of sainthood is being saved. Because Jesus makes every Christian extraordinary because he lives inside of them. Amen? And so as we turn here to Philippians chapter 3, Paul Let's us see in, in this mind and in this heart of a person who is truly great in their service for God. And we're not going to be able this morning to cover every verse and every phrase. Uh, that would take far too long. But we want to just read. I do want to just read through. Uh, this chapter, so follow along. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, 
Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision which worship God in spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless. And I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore... As many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. I love Philippians chapter 3. It's just one of those special places in the Bible that Paul just kind of describes the entire Christian life. What it really means and gives us a look into the heart and mind of someone who truly served the Lord Jesus Christ. The first seven verses uh, of this chapter, he starts out with rejoice in the Lord. You know, sometimes we approach this idea of living for Christ as, okay, I'm going to get serious now. I'm going to give up this. I'm going to give up television. I'm going to cut my cable. And I'm, I'm going to 
do all these things and I'm going to sacrifice so I can serve Christ. How many of you have served Christ enough to know that when you're actually serving Him, that is where the real rejoicing is? Can we say amen to that? Uh, That the real living is when we finally get past ourselves. I've often alluded to the fact that there's only one message I've ever preached, and that's the Bible. Uh, We preach Christ and Him crucified. Uh, How can I help but repeat myself on occasion? But those that love this book, is it grievous to hear the Bible stories over and over again? We're starting our ninth journey through the Bible in our through the Bible time. Now, say, wow, we ought to know it by now. Well, we ought to have a pretty good working knowledge, but I'll tell you, you learn something new every time. Amen. And it gives our young men who are preparing for the ministry an excellent opportunity to. Learn to teach the entire Bible, not just parts of it that they like. But there's always people out there that are ready to tell you, no matter what you believe, you're right. I mean, this is part of the problem. People often ask, Pastor, what what do you think about... And they'll tell me about some website, and I'm almost like... Yeah, would you like the standard answer? No. Uh, find something else. There, there's definitely something better out there than what you can find on the Internet. That is for sure. There's some good stuff there, yeah. But there's also a lot of dogs. You know, dogs are interested in only one thing. That which makes them feel better at that very moment. And we could spend the whole time there. And dogs are a wonderful illustration of how disgusting human beings can be in their attitude toward God sometime. Uh, but it says that we need to beware of those people. It says, beware of evil workers. Just because somebody talks about Jesus doesn't necessarily mean they believe in him at all. I mean, the world is full of liars. Amen? And it says here, beware of the concision. And it's amazing to me how people will be deceived and go to one extreme to the other and be totally unwilling to just serve God, which is straight down the middle. Say, well, you know, I'm not one of those rock and roll for Jesus people. I hate that music. And then they go to the other extreme and play music that was written for the Catholic Church and think it's good. Or Lutheran Church or some other church. I'll tell you what, I like our hymnal. Yeah, it's got some other songs in there, but most of those songs were written by people who just loved God. That's what we call it, sacred music. Amen? And there are people out there 
that will that's what the word concision means that they're hyper separatists but they're not separated to the bible they're separated unto themselves uh, probably the most extreme example would be the Amish people uh, there, there's nothing Bible in wearing clothes from 1824. Uh, yeah, is it modest? Absolutely. But it defeats the entire principle of modesty because if somebody walked in an army stress, every one of us would turn around and say, wow, look at that. That's not what modesty is about. Modesty is getting myself out of the way so people can see Jesus. Amen. And we need to beware of these things. There's always someone out there that's going to tell you you're doing a good job. No matter what you're doing. Now, you don't want it to be the police officer writing while well, he's writing a ticket for speeding. You did a good job here. Uh, you really took care of that. We're going we're gonna to reward you accordingly with a great big ticket and a summons and... Oh, no, no, that's not where we want to be. Amen. But the simple truth of the matter is, Paul said, if you want to have confidence in the flesh, he said, okay, let's go to it. I'll beat you on every point because you can't determine where you were born. I was born Jewish. I was born of the tribe of Benjamin. My parents followed all the law. You cannot be a better uh, Jew than I was. I was a Pharisee. And he goes on. And then we get to verse 7. He says, but what things were gained to me, sorry, those I counted loss for Christ. Then he goes on in verse 8 and 9 and said, I count all things but loss. Now, Paul knew what he was talking about when he said, I've suffered the loss of all things. If you know anything about religion, uh, you can make a lot of money in religion. Just look at the buildings all up and down the, the, the streets of our great city. Uh, some of these churches have uh, vestments that the priests wear that are worth tens of thousands of dollars for some little stole they put around their neck. And I'm sitting there going, that's nuts. If I had that much money, I'd send a missionary to the field for ten years. Amen? Uh, why, why would we put our emphasis on these things? Paul said, the things that I had gained were not going to help me to Christ. And so I had to let go of them. You know, we, I, I preach on this every week, and sometimes I feel like it doesn't do me any good and it doesn't do you any good. How in the world do we get past ourselves? How in the world do we move to a type of Christianity that is not self-determined, but Christ-determined? This is what Paul is talking about here. And, and if we go back to the overall picture here of what we're talking about today, people who surrendered uh, their entire life, this is what happened is they finally got to the place where it was no longer about them. And, and that's what Paul is talking about here when he says, and, and do count it but dung that I may win Christ. 
He said, I had to realize that these things that I was trying for, I wish I had a dollar for every person who claimed to be a Christian, but pastor, you don't understand. All, All I want is a good life. And I just want to scream, how could you get a better life than serving Christ? What kind of rewards could you expect out of this life that could be compared to a crown in heaven? And by the way, there's opportunities for more than one. What is it going to be like standing with that innumerable company of saints around the throne and casting those crowns at His feet in worship? If our hands are empty. You see, Paul got a hold of this thing. He said the only thing that he wanted, verse 9, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God. By faith. And here comes the great quandary or, or uh, uh, confusion that can be found in this chapter. In verse 10, he says that I may know him. In verse 11, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Verse 13, he says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Now, wait a minute. Paul said, listen, I've suffered the loss of all things uh, that I might be found in Christ. Is Paul still struggling with the idea that he's saved? And that is absolutely the most farthest thing removed from the truth of this chapter that is possible. Read verse 12 with me. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I might apprehend that which also I am apprehended of, Christ Jesus. Now, the commentators, they have lots of fun with that. But if we'll just take it apart, it's very simple in the English. Start at the end. He said, for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Now, the word apprehended means captured, controlled. Paul says, I am captured. I am held under the control of who? Jesus. How did that happen? The moment you got saved. Amen? He says, now I haven't attained at the beginning of the verse. I'm not perfect. I'm following after. I'm trying to apprehend that which already has a hold of me. You see... This is living the Christian life. God has things for me to do each and every day. And if we're not careful, we'll judge those things as mundane, as unimportant, as of a lesser uh, level uh, than achieving some great thing. And that's where we lose the battle for the Christian life right then and there. Because it's those simple little things. Let's go back and pick them up. Verse 10, that I may know Him. Can I ask you a question? 
How well do you know Jesus Christ? Oftentimes, uh, people like to have games where they'll take married couples. And I remember once we, we were first married, my wife and I, and and uh, we were in a Sunday school Sunday school class of several other newly married couples. And this was a long time ago. And uh, and they started asking questions. What's your wife's favorite color? What is her favorite flavor of ice cream? What is this and what is that? And it was like, oh my, how many wrong answers can you give? And it was sad because there was one couple there. They got in a fight with each other. You know I went. And they're going, wow, this is not what I want to be involved in. My wife was very gracious, and she said, I don't care if you know all those things, but I know that you love me, and that's what matters. And I'm going, yay, I can pass that test. But here's the truth. How well do you know Jesus? When we make choices each and every day, that are totally against this book called the Bible. We make allowances for things that Jesus wouldn't do. Now, don't get caught up in what would Jesus do. That's a whole other sermon for another day. The only thing that Jesus did that you can actually do is go find a Baptist preacher and get baptized. Amen? Jesus did do that. And you can do that. The rest of it is, what would Jesus have me do? Amen. And that's what Paul's talking about here. And it says, The power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Jesus did not want the cross. He did not enjoy the cross. But he had to endure the cross so we could be saved. What have I endured to serve Jesus this week? Well, tomorrow is the church picnic. I'll have to come to that because I want to endure service for Christ. No, that's going to be fun. And the food's going to be good. And all. That's not what we're talking about. Well, well, I'm coming early to pass out tracts. I'll, I'll serve the Lord. Yeah, well, maybe. But... Where's the heart? This is what we're talking about. What happens in those few moments of what we might call uh, glory or worthy of historical record on a battlefield in the life of an individual is not an isolated incident. It's a result of a whole life of living in preparation. Often it's a result of many others doing valiant deeds and and never being noticed for what they have done so that this one person could shine. And again, I want to challenge you. It's totally the opposite in service of Christ. There's only one person that shines, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one person that's ever accomplished anything. That's the Lord. 
And that's what we're striving for here. And in verse 13, it says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. You ever met anybody that's had a great accomplishment? They're going to talk about it all the time. I mean, our church has one in its history. Uh, We call it the miracle on 35th Street, how God worked all the miracles to buy the building so we could be in. And you can read about it on our website. Uh, And we still want to give God the glory for that. I like what one preacher said. He said, that was so big, you can't take credit for it. I said, amen. Uh, Because we want the Lord to get credit for it. But I'll tell you what, we can't ride what the Lord did then, today. Because He still has things He wants us to do. He still has service He wants us to serve. And we need to press on toward that mark for the high calling in Christ Jesus. There are things that Christ has for us. I I love this. You see, false religion, again, we've been over this so many times. You do, 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 and maybe you can get heaven someday. Hey, wait a minute. We start there. Because Jesus promises heaven to all those that believe on Him. Now, I'm still supposed to serve the Lord. There's still things that He wants me to do, but I'm not doing them to earn heaven I'm doing them because He saved me. The Christian life, it never ends. You're never going to be promoted to the level of your incompetence as you are in the world. You know how that works. You do a good job, you get a promotion. You do a good job, you get a promotion. You do a lousy job and you get stuck there for the rest of your life. I mean, that's the way the world works. The way God works is there's always another step closer to Jesus. And when you're done, you're going to be looking at him. Somebody said, when will I uh, finally do enough for God? When you're dead. All right? Get over it. Stop worrying about where the finish line is. And worry about what Christ has for us today. You see, look at verse uh, 15 here. I I love this verse. It says, let us therefore as many as be perfect. How many of you would like to be perfect? Well, that's what the Bible says. You can be. You should be. How can you be perfect? By having the mind that Paul talked about right here. You say, well, I don't, I, I don't know about that. Well, look at the rest of the verse. It says, and if anything, ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Don't tell me the Apostle Paul wasn't dogmatic, that he did not believe that what he said was the Word of God. He said, listen, if you're perfect, this is the way you're going to think. And if you're not, you can get that way. Amen? God will reveal that this is the way that believers in Jesus ought to behave. We haven't finished We're just running the race. But verse 16, 
Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. It's always been a curiosity to me that we have people who call themselves independent fundamental Baptists who, who want to be different than anybody before them. Well, what did this say? It says, if we're going to have that perfect mind that Paul's talking about, forgetting those things are behind, pressing toward the mark, I haven't obtained, but I've got things to do, but Jesus has a hold of me, so I can't lose my salvation. I've got a life to live. If we have that mind, it says, let us walk by the same rule. So, why are all these people trying to change? Everything. The Bible college I went to, they changed all the rules. I mean, I'm not kidding. Every rule that was in the book when I was there is now no longer there. Uh, They now have rules about how many nose piercings and ear piercings you can have. Seriously. Uh, when, When I was there, it was... Ladies were supposed to wear dresses and men were supposed to wear pants. Shocking. No. We, we, it says we could mind the same rule. You know, they accuse us of being mind-numb robots. That's not true. But if I choose to follow this book and think like the Apostle Paul told me I ought to think in Philippians chapter 3, and you make the same choice to follow the same Christ the same way, shouldn't we have some agreement? Uh, Shouldn't there be some unity based on purpose rather than, oh, I'm going to conform I'm going to turn off my brain, and I'm going to just do what they tell me to. Hey, that's what happens in the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons, all the cults, the Democratic Party, excuse me, uh, all all the other places where the mind-numb robots live, all right? You see, yeah, it says we need to mind the same thing. Oh, does that mean we'd even think the same way? How many of you remember how crazy you thought before you got saved? That the things that you thought were good were actually by the Bible bad, and the things that the Bible said were bad you thought were good? Anybody admit to that today? You see, the Bible not only changes the way you walk, it changes the way you think. Because we got to go back to verse 2, which is reiterated in verse 18. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. It's time for us to wake up and realize that this is a real war and there are real enemies out there. Do you know that in New York City in 2015, they murdered murdered four viable babies 
That's after 21 weeks for every murder that was committed in New York City that year. And that's just New York City. Nearly 1,500 third trimester abortions in this city. That breaks my heart. Don't, don't tell me that you believe in Jesus when you support candidates that believe in wholesale murder. And that governor from Virginia is on record as talking about a baby that survives an abortion attempt should be murdered. That, I mean, where, where do we go with this kind of stuff? I'll tell you, we have to understand that there are enemies of the cross. And it's not my job to fight them on that plane because their end is destruction. God has already ordained that. My primary work has got to be for our, verse 20, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able, now look at this, even to subdue all things unto himself. I'm so glad that I do not have to walk in the shoes of my patriot forefathers. That I don't have to grab a gun and go out and defend my home from an enemy who would burn and rape and pillage. I'm glad about that. I thank the Lord for that. But how many of us have squandered our freedom in joining with the world and allowing things in our life that are not part of the mind of Jesus Christ, that are just not part of serving the Lord. Yes, you should be the best worker at your workplace. That's part of the testimony of a Christian. You should be known as the most honest person there. But the greatest way to fight the devil is not going looking for the devil. It's serving Jesus Christ. It's reading my Bible. It's praying. It's witnessing to those that God gives me opportunity to witness. I can't stop the ship from going down, but... By God's grace, we're going to get some people into the lifeboats before it does go down. Amen? That is the service. Because we can't worry about what's going to happen to all those people who believe all those horrible things. Jesus is going to take care of that. But we certainly can be concerned with how we live for Christ today. Tomorrow. The next day. Maybe God will call upon you at some time to do some historically noteworthy thing. 
But I wouldn't count on it. Because heaven is not about heroes in the fact that we celebrate today the heroes of American history, individuals who have accomplished great things. Heaven is going to be about celebrating the hero, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And your life and my life will be measured by what he did through us. And that means you've got to get out of the way. i got to get out of the way so that people can see Jesus. And all God's people say, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before.